discuter de tout ça. I don't want to set the world on fire. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Good evening, good afternoon, or good morning, whenever it may be, wherever you may be, and however you may be hearing my voice. Whether it be via download through one of the many podcast platforms, or if you are listening to the premiere on the Alternate Current Radio's live stream, I appreciate you tuning in and joining me as we attempt to navigate the shark-infested waters of the agenda-centivized media and look past the propaganda. This is your daily dose of what's currently all the ruckus. What in God's name is going on in here? What was that ruckus? Uh, what ruckus? I was just in my office and I heard a ruckus. Could you describe the ruckus, sir? Watch your tongue, young man. Watch it. According to Breitbart, last week, Republican Oklahoma Senator James Lankford proposed an amendment to the infrastructure bill that would have prohibited federal funds going to any entity that failed to enroll in and comply with the E-Verify program to ensure illegal aliens are not hired for infrastructure jobs over Americans and legal immigrants. The amendment failed when a number of swing state Senate Democrats joined most of their colleagues in opposing the Higher American Requirement, an amendment which was supported by 53 senators, including all Senate Republicans and Senate Democrats Maggie Hassan, Tim Kaine, Mark Kelly, John Ossoff, and Raphael Warnock. On Tuesday, without securing the Higher American Requirement, 19 Senate Republicans helped pass the infrastructure bill. And according to Coindesk, the bill, which dedicates $1 trillion to infrastructure improvements over the next 10 years, including roughly $550 billion in new spending, drew controversy from the crypto community due to a quote-unquote pay-for that anticipates raising $28 billion from a broadened crypto tax provision. The provision expands the definition of a broker, leading to concerns the IRS might seek to impose broker information reporting requirements on non-broker entities such as miners. Advocates for the crypto industry pushed back on the provision, leading to lawmakers introducing amendments to try and modify the language. Senators Ron Wyden, Pat Toomey, and Cynthia Loomis proposed explicitly defining which types of entities are brokers, while a competing amendment introduced by Senators Rob Portman, Mark Warner, and Kristen Sonoma proposed a more narrow modification that only exempted proof-of-work minors. Ultimately, no amendments were considered, and the Senate voted to discuss only the base bill late on Sunday night. A last-ditch effort to add a compromise amendment was scuttled on Monday. Toomey, Loomis, Warner, Sinema, and Portman proposed a new amendment that needed unanimous consent to pass under the Senate's procedural rules. 
One senator, Richard Shelby, objected to the provision after his effort to add a military funding amendment was blocked by Senator Bernie Sanders. The infrastructure bill will now go to the House of Representatives, which is expected to take up the issue in the autumn. Which, of course, dear listener, gives us all plenty of time to actually look through this bill, which is a bit of an unfair advantage if you think about it. I mean, these poor senators, there's no way they had even close to enough time to read this thing before ramming it through. You're listening to Alternate Current Radio. I'm Adam Clark, and this is The Daily Ruckus. The big news of the weekend is this infrastructure bill. We have a $550 billion bill that is over 2,700 pages long. And this bill is supposedly focused on the infrastructure of America. When you hear infrastructure in America, people get excited. Yes, let's go build roads and bridges and fix our trains and do all the things that infrastructure would insinuate. I read the bill, or at least parts of it, and there's not a lot of infrastructure in it. In fact, there's things like invasive plant species removal. There is potentially the authorization for the U.S. government to buy weed to study driving high. They also added in an amendment towards the end of last week and over the weekend that specifically services the food and beverages on the Amtrak. So not lots of infrastructure, about 10% or so from the numbers I've seen actually goes through true infrastructure. So what's in the Senate infrastructure bill? The biggest spending on bridges alone since the interstate system was built, according to the Associated Press via Autoblog. The Senate has passed a nearly $1 trillion bipartisan infrastructure plan, including $550 billion in new spending, to rebuild roads and bridges, modernize public works systems, and boost broadband internet, among other improvements to the nation's infrastructure. The White House is projecting that the investments will add, on average, about 2 million jobs per year over the coming decade. Senate Democratic leader Chuck Schumer said just before the bill passed on Tuesday, that the legislation is, quote, a decades overdue step to revitalize America's infrastructure and give our workers, our businesses, our economy the tools to succeed in the 21st century, end quote. The Senate will now turn to a second, much larger $3.5 trillion package that would pay for new family, health, and education programs, among other liberal priorities. Speaker Nancy Pelosi has said the House will eventually consider both measures together. Here is a breakdown of the bill passed by the Senate. Roads and bridges. The bill would provide $110 billion to repair the nation's aging highways, bridges, and roads. According to the White House, 170,000 total miles of America's highways and major roads and 45,000 bridges are in poor condition, and the almost $40 billion for bridges is the single largest dedicated bridge investment since the construction of the interstate highway system, according to President Joe Biden's administration. Public Transit. The $39 billion for public transit in the legislation would expand transportation systems, improve accessibility for people with disabilities, and provide dollars to state and local governments to buy zero-emission and low-emission buses. The Department of Transportation estimates that the current repair backlog is more than 24,000 buses, 5,000 railcars, 
500 stations and thousands of miles of track and power systems, passenger and freight rail, to reduce Amtrak's maintenance backlog, which has worsened since Superstorm Sandy nine years ago. The bill would provide $66 billion to improve the rail service's 457-mile-long Northeast Corridor, as well as other routes. It's less than the $80 billion Biden, who famously rode Amtrak daily from his Delaware home to D.C. during his time in the Senate, originally asked for, but it would be the largest federal investment in passenger rail service since Amtrak was founded 50 years ago. Electrical Vehicle Charging The bill would spend $7.5 billion for electrical vehicle charging stations, which the administration says are critical to accelerating the use of electric vehicles to curb climate change. It would also provide $5 billion for the purchase of electric school buses and hybrids, reducing reliance on school buses that run on diesel fuel. Modernizing the electrical grid To protect against the widespread power outages that have become more frequent in recent years and in anticipation of widespread adoption of electric cars, the bill would spend $65 billion to improve the reliability and resiliency of the nation's power grid. It would also boost carbon capture technologies and more environmentally friendly electricity sources like clean hydrogen. Internet access. The legislation's $65 billion for broadband access would aim to improve internet services for rural areas, low-income families, and tribal communities. Most of the money would be made available through grants to states. Airports. The bill would spend $25 billion to improve runways, gates, and taxiways at airports, and to improve terminals. It would also improve aging infrastructure at air traffic control towers. Water and wastewater. To improve the safety of the nation's drinking water, the legislation would spend $55 billion on water and wastewater infrastructure. The bill would include $15 billion to replace lead pipes and $10 billion to address water contamination from polyfluoroalkyl substances, or PFAs, chemicals that were used in the production of Teflon and have also been used in firefighting foam, water-repellent clothing, and many other items. Paying for it all. The five-year spending package would be paid for by tapping $210 billion in unspent COVID-19 relief aid and $53 billion in unemployment insurance aid some states have halted, along with an array of other smaller pots of money, like petroleum reserve sales and spectrum auctions for 5G services. Autoblog Com. And as you heard in the teaser, folks, that's not the only way they're thinking of paying for all of this. As reported by the Epoch Times, the Senate voted on and passed the bipartisan $1.2 trillion Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act on Tuesday. The bill has undergone several amendments and debates, but Republican and Democratic senators alike still express concerns over the language in a section of the bill that they fear could destroy the blue cryptocurrency industry. Senator Ted Cruz joined this bipartisan resistance today, saying that the underlying language of one section of the bill could quote-unquote obliterate cryptocurrency. This section of the bill seeks to put new regulations and tax burdens on platforms that allow users to buy and sell cryptocurrency, an industry that markets itself as an alternative to fiat currency and centralized financial control. The provision would require 
aware that these platforms report information on the buying and selling of digital assets to the IRS. However, many such platforms are non-custodial providers, meaning that they do not have access to this information. Their users' assets are kept in private accounts that only they can see or access. This makes it practically impossible for these non-custodial crypto providers to comply with this provision. Cruz criticized the Senate's efforts to regulate the industry, which he says is a, quote, new and exciting industry that is generating jobs, end quote. Cruz continued that, quote, there aren't five senators in this body with any real understanding on how cryptocurrency operates. We have had no hearings on this. The Senate has had no hearings on this. The House has had no hearings on this. And yet, this body is prepared to obliterate an industry willy-nilly. The consequences of this legislation are going to be long-standing, end quote. Cruz warned, quote, cryptocurrency isn't tied to any particular piece of dirt, end quote. The effects of this provision would not be to kill the crypto market, but to push it overseas along with the jobs it has created in the country. Members of the House joined in this criticism, forming a bipartisan, quote-unquote, blockchain caucus. Representative Tom Emmer sent a letter to every member of the House expressing his concerns. Quote, this provision of the bill establishes new IRS reporting obligations for non-custodial blockchain technology providers, entities who do not broker transactions, and who have no way to comply with such requirements. End quote. Representative Emmer warned that left unchanged, the provision in the bill would, quote, further regulate innovation out of the United States. End quote. Emmer continued that, quote, middlemen who perform broker transactions, such as centralized cryptocurrency exchanges, are currently required and should comply with tax reporting obligations. End quote. Examples of these, quote unquote, middlemen are platforms like Coinbase, one of the most popular cryptocurrency exchanges on mobile devices. Emmer joined with representatives Darren Soto, David Schweikert, and Bill Foster. The debate over this item held up passage of the bill yesterday when Cruz proposed an amendment striking the entire section from the legislation, but was shot down by the Senate. Despite this setback, the debate spilled over to the internet. Hashtag don't kill crypto became a trending tag on Twitter because of the concerns about the legislation. Fight for the Future, a technology advocacy group, issued a red alert about the bill, asking readers to, quote, tell Congress to protect human rights in the crypto economy, end quote. In a post, Fight for the Future says that the law, quote, mandates mass surveillance of the crypto economy in the name of reducing tax avoidance. The issues at hand aren't simply about taxes, they're about the United States' ability to participate in cryptocurrencies and a decentralized future that puts the rights of the people above the exploitative and manipulative business models of big tech, end quote. On the same page, the group posted a form to get people in contact with their representatives and senators. On this page, they report that so far, the form has swamped congressional offices, generating over 41,000 calls and over 700 emails from citizens concerned about the law. With its passage through the Senate earlier today, the bill will be going back through the House, where new amendments introduced by the Senate need to be confirmed to continue continue on to the White House. Should the bill become law, the implications for crypto markets will be unclear. The EpochTimes.com Now, before we can move forward here, folks, we're going to go ahead and move backward first, by four days specifically, because I think it's an important part of the puzzle. Plus, it makes me feel a little bit like Quentin Tarantino jumping around the timeline.
online and whatnot. So let's hop back to four days ago and let's take a look at the news that was reported on Bitcoin.com, which flat out says that U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen has been exerting influence on lawmakers regarding crypto taxation. The new crypto tax proposal in the $1 trillion infrastructure bill has become a topic of intense controversy over the past week. Two amendments have been put forward so far, one sponsored by Senators Mark Warner, Rob Portman, and Kirsten Sinema. The other, which has gained the support of the crypto community, is sponsored by Senators Ron Wyden, Cynthia Loomis, and Pat Toomey. According to Washington Post reporter Jeff Stein, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen spoke with lawmakers Thursday to raise objections to the amendment sponsored by Senators Toomey, Wyden, and Loomis. He tweeted Friday, citing sources familiar with the matter, quote, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen has been privately lobbying lawmakers against Wyden Loomis Toomey crypto amendment as White House seeks to fend off push to limit new regulatory authorities, end quote. The cryptocurrency tax proposal in the infrastructure bill comprises two key parts. The first requires payments worth more than $10,000 to be reported to the Internal Revenue Service. The second requires crypto quote-unquote brokers to file a type of 1099 form for certain kinds of crypto transactions. The definition of what a crypto broker is in the original proposal includes miners, and software developers. This has caused an uproar in the crypto community as miners and software developers do not know who their users are, making it impossible to report to the IRS. Some lawmakers have slammed the original proposal, including Senator Pat Toomey, who said that the plan was quote-unquote unworkable. The two amendments aim to clarify the definition of a broker. The crypto industry believes that the Wyden-Loomis-Toomey amendment adequately clarifies clarifies what a broker is. In contrast, the Warner-Portman Cinema crypto amendment only exempts proof-of-work mining, causing more concerns that the government is now picking winners and losers in innovation. Nonetheless, this amendment has gained support from the White House. Treasury Secretary Yellen has expressed her concerns several times about cryptocurrencies being used in illicit financing. She warned in February, quote, to the extent it is used, I fear it's often for illicit finance. It's an extremely inefficient way of conducting transactions, and the amount of energy that's consumed in processing those transactions is staggering. News.bitcoin.com So there you have it, folks. If you have ever felt like a little bit of a loony conspiracy theorist just because you suspect that banksters, which is exactly what Janet Yellen and Senator Shelby are, are on a mission to kill crypto, you can go ahead and take your tinfoil hat off now because apparently it's true. And while this particular form of innovation is being aggressively stifled here in the United States of America by its own government, The exact opposite is going on in a different country. Mario Gomez Lozada 
writing for Bitcoin Magazine, says, The green shadow cast by the U.S. dollar on developing countries is being lifted. In El Salvador, it's now approaching high noon. Growing up in El Salvador during its civil war, I never thought I would witness my home country filled with so much hope for the future, let alone leading the way for others. The government's recently passed law making Bitcoin legal tender is set to take effect on September 7th, making it the first country in the world to do so. The catalyst behind the bold move is El Salvadorian President Nayib Bukele, a forward-thinking, entrepreneurial-spirited leader who has created a template for other countries like Paraguay, Mexico, Panama, and Venezuela to follow. Bukele is the first president elected outside of the two main parties since the Civil War, the youngest president in history at 37 years old, and he won on a platform of modernization. Bukele is keeping his streak of firsts alive by illuminating how Bitcoin can transform the country's financial system for the better, and by showing a path for other countries with emerging economies to get out from under the US dollar's shadow. Today, El Salvador doesn't have a national currency. The Colón, named after Christopher Columbus, was El Salvador's currency, but was abandoned in 2001 for the US dollar. The purpose was to curb inflation and increase trade with the U.S., a significant trading partner. The tendency of developing countries to borrow in USD rather than their own currencies is sometimes called quote-unquote original sin because it reflects the fact that their currency is less accepted globally. Borrowing in USD enables developing countries to pay for essential goods that would otherwise be unaffordable. This concept, known as dollarization, happens when a country's currency loses its usefulness as a medium of exchange due to hyperinflation or instability. Cryptocurrency represents the modernization of democracy and levels the playing field for the underserved. El Salvador's adoption of Bitcoin as legal tender gives hope to the people who need it most, not just in El Salvador, but also in the entire region. By adopting Bitcoin as legal tender, El Salvador is betting that in time, Bitcoin will be one, more accepted globally, two, a deflationary media of exchange, and three, a launchpad for El Salvador's economic development. It has long been a challenge in El Salvador to develop new growth sectors for a more diversified economy. Bitcoin is a progressive route to accomplish that goal by providing a sanctuary state to attract talent and increase GDP. For instance, as part of the law, President Bukele is incentivizing foreigners to gain permanent residence in El Salvador if they invest three Bitcoin into the country. Bitcoin will work better as a legal tender for several reasons. El Salvador depends heavily on remittances, which make up 21% of its GDP, the second highest of any country in the Western Hemisphere. Bitcoin can facilitate remittances by working with or removing intermediaries and reducing the costs of overseas payments. Many critics of this approach reference high fees associated with the Bitcoin network that make the remittances impractical, but they're ignoring the Lightning Network. For example, sending a $10 payment within the Lightning Network would cost one Satoshi to complete the transaction in one second. A Satoshi is the smallest unit of a Bitcoin, equivalent to one hundred millionth of a Bitcoin. Other critics reference the difficulty in sending and receiving Bitcoin, but take it from me, I sent Bitcoin to my mother in El Salvador recently.
complacently, without a glitch. If my mother, who is in her 80s, can do it, so can anyone. In El Salvador, 70% of the population is without bank accounts. The unbanked face tremendous challenges in saving and wealth accumulation. They must also work in the shadows because they are locked out of the mainstream of the local economy, often leading to exploitation. By adopting Bitcoin, they are gaining access within the local economy and beyond it globally. It's no mystery that El Salvador is a developing country in search of economic growth. In the past, El Salvador produced gold and silver, but attempts to reopen the mining sector collapsed after the former president, Antonio Saca, shut down the operations of Pacific Rim Mining Corporation in 2009. With the emergence of the new quote-unquote mining sector and the charge for the Bitcoin mining community to institute more renewable energy standards, President Bukele is looking into using geothermal energy from volcanoes. This same entrepreneurial, fast moving approach is also exhibited in the United States from the likes of Francis Suarez, the mayor of Miami, creating a sort of cryptocurrency hub. In fact, a growing number of government leaders are using this method with the intention of attracting entrepreneurs, which in doing so boosts the economy. As with any change in law, especially in adopting a new tender, there will be challenges. Think of what it took for the US dollar to get to where it is today. It took six decades, war, and controversial bait-and-switch tactics. The adoption of Bitcoin won't be flawless, but it will be peaceful, transparent, and immutable. BitcoinMagazine.com Oh, and you know what, folks? I think that last statement right there explains everything. No wonder the banksters and people like Janet Yellen and a lot of these senators don't like Bitcoin. It threatens to replace their almighty U.S. dollar. And the fact that the impending transition will be a peaceful, transparent, and immutable one is just something they can't understand. And maybe, just maybe, at the end of the day, these people really are human after all, and they, like us, fear change. And it looks like they're going to do everything they can to try to stop it. For the ACR, I'm Adam Clark, and this has been The Daily Ruckus for Tuesday, August 10, 2021. For more information, please visit alternatecurrentradio.com.